Per Force, by Renasserà, narrated by Felpata Lupin from fanfictalk.com. Five days have passed since his birthday, and he slept five hours in that time. The sunlight creeping through the curtains lenses his bloodshot eyes with the undeniable message that time is up. The hour has come for him to leave home. He stands shakily from the chair where he sat for the entirety of the night. The creak of ancient wood is echoed by the creak of his own disused joints, and he flinches. A few deep breaths settle him, hair rattling in and out of lungs, too young for the panic that constricts them. Eighteen summers, and the nineteenth won't come. The air tastes like ash on his tongue, and he seeks it out. He takes only one thing from the room, sliding it to rest heavily in his pocket. Just one more weight amongst the ever-growing load. Then, without a second glance, he leaves the room and plods down the carpeted stairs that have felt the steps of every one of his forebearers. In the hall by the door, he glances into a sitting room at a man and woman, engrossed in the act of not speaking to one another. Black hair combed neat, imperious lips turned down, grey eyes narrowed, acrid smoke curling from a long cigarette holder, clasped between the woman's sharp fingers. Neither of them looks up. He pauses, almost speaks, shakes his head, leaves. Four steps from the door, he feels a pang of guilt, a twist of worry, or perhaps of fear. Behind him, all his ever-known rambles, fades, and is gone as if never there. The silence in his head makes the beat of his heart seem loud. He walks, and the solidity of the pavement brings him back to the now. A breeze wafts his dark hair and carries to him the scents and sounds of midsummer. Honeysuckle, fresh mowed grass, peals of laughter, and a radius upbeat song playing through an open window. It's a day of beauty, of hope, and unbidden an image flashes in his mind of a young man with eyes and dimples that match his own astride a black motorcycle. Wind tangling his hair as fate had their leaves, one free and one. He shows the thought away and walks on. There will be no closure for them, no apologies or explanations, no farewell. His fingernails bite into his palms, but the sting of broken skin doesn't register. His head pain rip him apart at the seams. Finally, he can see the apparition point, a copse of trees in an empty lot. He steps between the adult trunks. Three deep breaths fill his wretched lungs, and he turns on his heels and vanishes, leaving the world of his childhood behind with a crack, like lightning striking a tree. When he reappears, it's on a cliff above a tumultuous sea. The taste of bitterness and brine fills his mouth, and he resists the urge to spit it out. 
he calls for a servant, his loyal companion, and a creature appears with a snap that splits the air over the unending crash of the waves. He doesn't speak his purpose, there are no words to explain it, and all will be safer if no one but he knows. Instead, he places a heavy hand on the creature's shoulder and points to a narrow, winding path that descends the face of the cliff. Together they climb. He keeps his eyes on the dirt beneath his feet, refusing to look out over the expanse of sea that continues past the horizon. He will not think of things that don't end, nor things that could have been. He will not imagine the comfort of a family, nor the caress of a lover, nor the peace of growing old and grey in a world where hope hasn't died. No, he will stay here, in this moment, with salt in his lungs and sea spray on his face. He will walk behind his companion down to the base of the cliff. He will do what must be done. Two forms pose at the mouth of the cave, silhouetted against the sun. They look into the blackness, and it is the smaller who leads the way inside. But the young man pauses, trembles, and turns back to the open air. His heart is pounding furiously in his chest, and he knows, he knows, that this is the last time he will see the sun. And how can he say goodbye? And why can't he just change his mind? Panic rises in his chest, and alternatives and second chances beg to be found. But he knows that they cannot, because he has tried, he has fought, he has screamed to the heavens, and the heavens did not reply. So he stares into the sun, letting its rays burn themselves into his eyes, as if looking for long enough will mean that he never forgets. Then he turns, blinking white spots from his vision, and he follows his companion into the darkness. In the cave, it is oppressively silent. The air devours every rustle and breath. The raw stone of the walls and the smooth wood of the boat feel otherworldly against his fingertips. The island is small, with nowhere to hide, as his companion drinks and wails and drinks and sobs. Then the young man leaves what is brought and gives what is taken to his servant and tells him to leave, to go, to not look back. One shriek pierces the silence of the cavern. The snap of his companion vanishing does not register in his mind as clammy hands wrap around his wrists, his arms. His wound falls, and the ends are pulling, dragging. The skin slips, and bones punch through. The young man clenches his jaw and closes his eyes. The lake entombs him, and he fights not to suck its tepid waters into these bursting lungs. But he does, and he chokes. And his last thought before he knows no more is that this has been worth it that this will change everything, that this will bring the world back from the edge.